with him because I'll be with you through him anyway. One, two, two. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Hey guys, um, morning everybody. I know, I know, there's a few um, people, there's a few visitors here this morning. I, I noticed this morning. I came in this morning. And I really uh, appreciate the team here as well. I'll edit, um, I appreciate Aladdy as well. Uh, Reese, Nick, and a few others really. And Christopher Arthur and Lyra. Hey, let's appreciate Danny. Danny is such a blessing to us. And Reese as well. And Reese as well. Reese as well. You know, I always say this. This is home for a lot of us. And more so, I can't explain how Danny feels this is home. There are times he's here at the back helping out, doing stuff without even us knowing. But just want to say, Danny, we love you. And you are part of this family. God bless you. Bless you. Fantastic, Danny. Well done. He's getting, he's getting bolder every year he comes up. Every time he comes up, he's getting more confident. So that's fantastic. Okay, just a few announcements uh, for our diaries, actually. I've, I've emailed us about this one that's happening on uh, 21st. That's next week, Wednesday. So we've got Christian Concern that's coming and doing a session for us. As many of you know, we've been talking about the new RSE curriculum that's been rolled out in Wales, uh, and uh, a lot of conversations happening around. And so we thought this will be great for us, not just for parents, but for the whole church, uh, to find out what's really going on, you know, what's behind the scenes, and information that will help us as parents in this season of change and transition uh, that's happening all across. And so it's 7.30 on the Wednesday coming. Uh, I, we spoke to the guy actually who's coming to do the session, lovely guy, you know, his heart is for kingdom, his heart is for parents and children, and there's going to be a Q&A at the end, but we're going to open doors at 7 o'clock so we can have some refreshments and teas and coffees and start sharp at 7.30, hoping to finish at 9, that will include the Q&A session, etc., etc. I've sent an invite to all the other churches in Abergavenny as well in case they'd like to come along, and so if you have friends that you think might benefit from an evening like that, please feel free to invite them. So that's next week, Wednesday, 7, uh, doors opening, 7.30 for the session. Uh, 29th, okay, so I'm not going to take a lot of time, but just giving you dates. 29th, we're doing something uh, on literacy for those who 
uh, want to grow, you know, develop literacy and also build their confidence, uh, there's a session happening that we're hoping would then go to a weekly session uh, on a Thursday morning uh, in the cafe. Not really in the cafe, but at the back. But there's lots of little things that we're kind of introducing over the next couple of weeks. So please stay connected with all the emails that are going around. Uh, we're starting uh, grief management sessions shortly. We're starting stress management sessions. There's lots of things happening that's coming up in the pipeline. But all we're doing is putting on things that we can bless people with uh, and also connect uh, with the wider community. So please keep all these things in your prayers. Amen. And finally, Nick and Lisa have moved house. Uh, again, that was, a that was a miracle. But tomorrow they're uh, actually shifting all their stuff from where they are to the new place. So if anyone can give them some help, please connect with Nick after service. And he'll be delighted to tell you where, what time, and, and receive that blessing. Okay, so today we've got a new speaker, Alid Williams. Woo! <laughs> Alid's always been at the back. He's always there helping, serving. But he, there's a lot that God's put in Alid. And we said, come on, we're going to ask him to share what God's laid on his heart this morning. So let's just pray and bless him as he brings... I think an important word for us this morning. So, Father, we want to thank you again that we can come together. Lord, we just want to say have your way this morning, even as we re receive your word. Use Allah to speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, inspire us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning. I'm probably the only guy who hasn't said good morning to everyone yet. Good morning. How are you? Um, may I begin with a story? There's a, there's a preacher, he'd been in the ministry for 30 years, and uh, one day he's at home and he's just rummaging around in some cupboards, and he comes across this wooden box with a nice lid on it, and he, he opens it, and there's like five eggs in it, and a load of cash, boards of cash. He's thinking, well, what's this about? So he gets the box, and he takes it into the kitchen, and he puts it on the kitchen table, and he says to his wife, he said, I've just come across this box with five eggs and, and wads of cash in it. What's that about? And she said, my darling, I've got something to tell you. I've been keeping a secret from you for so many years. She said, whenever you preach a poor sermon, one of the elders comes along and gives me an egg. And he's devastated. He's absolutely shocked. And he settles down a little bit and he says, well, you know what? He said, that's not so bad. Five eggs over 30 years, that's one poor sermon every six years. That's pretty good statistics. And his wife said, yes, you can look at it like that. And he said, so what about the money? Where did the money come from? So the elders come and bring me money when I preach a good sermon. She said, my darling, I'm sorry to tell you this, but every time I collect a dozen eggs, I sell them down the village shop. And look, we've almost got a thousand pounds. So if you see Chris Vaz over the uh, supermarket later buying eggs, you know what's going on. <laughs> so uh, there we are. That's to settle me down. I don't know about you. So tomorrow, of course, marks a momentous occasion in history for us um, with the burial of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. And I just want to spend a little moment. I just need to... I'm using new technology today. And so um, 
I got Vic at the back on standby. So um, we're just going to try this out anyway. So Her Majesty the Queen, as you know, um, she wasn't destined to be queen at all. But because her uncle abdicated, then her father took the throne, and that's how she became queen. But nevertheless, I seem to think that God probably had her destiny mapped out from the beginning. On her 21st birthday, she made a statement, which I've got to look up. She said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. She added, God help me to make good on my vow. And God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. That's quite a poignant phrase. God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. And I'd say that since her death, I think that more has come out about the Queen Elizabeth that we didn't know about. Her private life, her commitment to her God. And her heart of service that we didn't hear about. And despite her privilege, she served as a servant of God. She served this nation. And I just think it's fantastic. And it brings me, what brought me to think about what Paul says in Philippians 2, chapters, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. And he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Paul says you need to have this attitude, the attitude of service. And that's what I'm speaking about this morning, isn't it? The heart of a servant is gratitude. When we think about how God has saved us from where we were into the mess we got ourselves in, but God pulled us out. And our rightful service is to worship him and to give him thanks. I've got to put my glasses on and off, all right? So bear with me. I'm going to concentrate a little bit more from the book of Romans, actually. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Gratitude because of what he has done for you, salvation. Making him the Lord of your life. And I'm going to be honest with you, I get a little bit pedantic about the words receive and accept. Quite often when we say, will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And to me, accept kind of is, hey, Jesus, how are you? I think of receive. I think, will you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? This is me being pedantic. Don't get hung up. This is me. Will you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? So to receive the Lord Jesus is Lord Jesus. That's what it says to me. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Rob. 
again. <laughs> when we talk about accepting Lord Jesus, do we just go, hey, Jesus, how are you doing? Or is he truly becoming the Lord of our lives? A servant is devoted. Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, we are influenced most by those we spend the most time with. Is that right? Do you agree with that statement? So if you want to be more like Christ then spend more time with him. Again, brilliant um, what, what Louise shared this morning about, you know what, people will queue 23 hours to come and pay their, their respects to the queen, but yet we can get into our closet for five minutes. I think, well, that's long enough. I'm going to speak about our, our devotional times as well, about pressing in in those times uh, I don't know you, I've got a, a habit, it's a good habit, and that is my devotional time. That I have a devotional time every day, a same kind of time in the day. And if I don't do that, it's like a hole in the day. I don't know if you, if you find it the same thing. But I have to guard that place, I have to guard that atmosphere. So I usually do it quite early in the morning before I have to interact with any other human. All right, it's just to create that protected space for me. This is who I am, guys. I'm very honest with you. And maybe sometimes things can get a little bit dry. Sometimes they get a bit familiar, a little bit stale. Just being honest. And what we need to do is just change it up a little. So how can we do that? Just being creative. Think about how we meet with God. One example is what I do is sometimes... I, I read a different um, Bible translation for a while, just for a period of time. Maybe a year, maybe more, I have favorite versions. But sometimes I'll change it. It just freshens the Word of God to me as I'm doing my, my devotionals. And change up your devotional space. Maybe you need to just change the aspect of your chair or something. But really, all I'm saying to you guys is don't let our devotional time with God become familiar. Don't let it go stale. Don't let your love grow cold. But pressing into him, pressing into his presence, devoting time to spend with him is so important. Refresh your altar. Guys, I'm not saying get a new TV. <laughs> I'm saying just look at it. Just look at the space. What can I do? What will just make me, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but will just change things for me ever so slightly. The heart of a servant is humble. And Romans 12 verse 3 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. This is it. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Paul is just simply instructing us not to think too highly of ourselves, not to think that one is better than the other. There's no space for that. We are all in the same boat, guys. Um, one of my favorite scriptures, 2 Timothy 
somewhere around there. I was going to try and go for the verse, but I'm not risking it. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. How Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the very worst. When I stop and I think about that, that is humbling. That takes away my feeling of entitlement right away. Paul said this is a saying. Paul wasn't talking about himself. He was saying, adopt this. Take this attitude on board. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the very worst. And then Jesus again, he instructed the disciples that the kingdom of heaven is not like the world. We are living in two different realms. We are citizens of heaven. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are a citizen of heaven. And again, the Apostle Paul said, you are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? He goes, um, he doesn't just live in the embassy. He's representing his country. So when he's called to the government of a foreign country, he says, my government says. That's who we are, ambassadors of Christ. We are called to represent Christ in all that we do. The kingdom of God says. The Bible says. The word of God says. How did I get there? I don't really know. Jesus even instructed his disciples that the kingdom of heaven is not like the world. You want to be first? Be a servant. He sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And again, Paul's humility is demonstrated in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, and in so many um, of the letters he writes, he starts with, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. Sounds like a very strong word. We don't like it in this generation. It's because the meaning has kind of moved on to mean something slightly different to its original intention. Or maybe not. But he says, a slave of Jesus Christ first. That's who I am. Chosen by God to be an apostle. You see, he starts with his relationship. And then he moves into his position. And then he goes on to say, and sent out to preach the good news. That's his purpose. Relationship, position, purpose. Many pastors I know, I, I know a few pastors, um, they began their ministry in the shadows at the church, doing the menial jobs, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, without any acclamation or accolade recognition from anyone they were just doing it in the background cleaning toilets they were fulfilling a need so that the church mission could continue if it weren't for people who were doing things in the backgrounds we've had danny here this morning he's a wonderful treasure he's a real blessing to us i'm not going to mention any volunteers today we're going to save that for another time but he works in the background. He works tirelessly. He comes, he sorts things out. He tidies the bins up. He does this, he does that. He cleans the, the side passage so that somebody else doesn't have to do it so we can continue with the church mission. Think of Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's protege. And yet he learned in lowliness. He didn't look for profile. He was just demonstrating faithfulness. 
The heart of a servant seeks excellence. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Again, there's that ambassador thing, isn't it? I represent the kingdom of God. In everything that we say, in everything that we do, let us be representatives of God the Father and have that mindset to excellence. Everything that we do, we can say, oh, that's okay, that, uh, that'll be fine. Stick a bit of chewing gum on there, that'll stop it falling off. It's true. Um, I, don't do, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, but about excellence, it's about getting things right because of the God whom we are serving, our Lord, our Master, who gave everything with excellence. When God gave His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, He gave an excellent, perfect sacrifice once for all. And we can just, we can't repay that ever, but we can honor that in excellence. And then in Colossians 3, 22 to 24, Paul says, Saves, obey, slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. And then, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. In everything we do, whether we're volunteering or our earthly jobs, we should think of it as direct service to the Lord, which it is. But let our lives be a demonstration of Christ in us. And then, excellence and humility work together. We're working hand in hand. I'm trying to zoom through because I know time's going past and if you could see the number of slides I've actually got in front of me, we might cut it short, but whatever. A servant heart takes pride in all that you do. That's the heart of a servant as we've discussed. But then the humility says, don't let yourself be proud of what you've done. Take pride in what you do, but don't be proud of what you've done. A servant heart takes ownership, but not possession. If you have a role, if it's just a temporary role, you take ownership of it, you take responsibility for it. You do it as unto the Lord. But don't take possession. Hand it back. It doesn't belong to you, even if it is your role. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. Not being able to take or taking possession is often highlighted in not being able to receive input. It's something that you do. Somebody says, oh, perhaps we could do this. No, back off. This is my job. A servant heart works for excellence, but not for perfectionism. We've covered excellence already. Perfectionism, what is that? You see, perfectionism is when it becomes a pride thing. It's a pride trap or maybe a pride trip. Look how excellent that is. That's one thing. 
say, this is perfect. No, only God made things perfect. Let's take a look at the challenges. The atmosphere killers. We can suffer discouragement in our own minds. When we're serving God, let's, not, let's just be real. We can think, oh my goodness, why am I doing this? Why am I the only one who's doing this? That's what it seems like. Or we can think, what is the point of this? Why am I doing this? And what we need to do is that's time to press in and recall and focus on that it is God we are serving. We're not serving man, but we are serving our God. We are honoring him in all that we do. We are making way. We are making provision in what we're doing. Maybe menial, but we're releasing others to further the kingdom of God. You are responsible for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. No matter if you're making tea, you are responsible for the furtherance of the gospel. And then we get discouragement from others. And they say things like, Nobody else works this hard. And it's, it's, innocent, it's said innocently enough. It's, it's, it's not a, a malicious thing at all. Or they say, I didn't see the point of doing this. And that's not the point. The point is we do that because we are serving. Sometimes we don't always get the picture. We don't know, it's not always communicated well enough. Let me give you an example then. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. But nine years ago, just over nine years ago, there used to be a platform running along that wall. And we turned it around so it came along here in just about two weeks. And we didn't work super hard. Um, it, was, it was great. We had a fantastic time. But we were having all this timber delivered for, that this platform is built on. And there was a lorry outside, and we had everybody running around, and we dragging it all up the stairs. And somebody said to me, we can stick it in the lift. And I was in a rush, and I wasn't you know, thinking straight. And I said to them, no, we can't. It won't fit. So lo and behold, somebody managed to get it in the lift. And it did fit, they said. And then the lift came up, and then it got jammed. You see, the thing about it is, is I knew what was going to happen at the other end, but I didn't communicate it. And just because I don't see the point in something, it doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we just have to trust. Sometimes we just have to say, yeah, okay. I'm not getting it, but I'll do it. So I'm going to talk about the second Jeff. Anybody know who the second Jeff is? In the company Amazon years ago, of course, there were, uh, 2016, I think this was, there was Jeff Bezos. He's the chief, chief executive officer of Amazon. The second Jeff was the next highest uh, person in Amazon, and he was the... Um, CEO of Consumers Worldwide. And they had a meeting the one day because they developed the Amazon Kindle, this wonderful book-reading device, electronic device. You don't have to carry paper around anymore. It's on an electronic device. How wonderful. And Jeff um, Wilkie said, I'm not getting it. I don't think this is for us. I don't think this is the direction that Amazon should be going in. I don't think we do electronic goods like this. We do books. We do software. We do those kind of things. But we don't do hardware. We don't do these devices. And he, but he said, even though I disagree, I'm going to get behind it. I'm going to support it. Even though I disagree, I will commit to doing my very level best to promote this thing and make it a success. 
That's the servant heart right there to lay yourself aside. Disagree and commit. Sometimes you may not agree with decisions or leadership um, are making. And sometimes I think, wow, what are we doing? But I just commit. I just get behind. Have the conversation. It's, you know, we can have the conversation. I'm sorry, I don't really understand what's going on. Can you explain to me? And sometimes that helps get the picture a bit clearer. Remember Colossians 3.24, which I can't remember myself right now. <laughs> remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So let's talk about the mission of service. Servanthood may be low profile and without immediate recognition, but it is essential to the furtherance of the good news of Jesus Christ and the mission of the church. And this is what I've been saying all morning. Our role is supporting the furtherance of the gospel of Christ Jesus and the mission. Leonard Bernstein Anybody know who Leonard Bernstein was? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. So he, in case you don't know, all you young people, he was a celebrated orchestra conductor. And he was asked one time in an interview, what's the most difficult instrument to play? And given Bernstein's experience, the, the reporter was eager to hear what the great conductor's valued opinion to the reporter's surprise, Leonard Bernstein replied without any hesitation whatsoever, second fiddle. I can always get plenty of first violinists, but I find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm, or second French horn, or second flute, now that's a problem. And yet, if no one plays second, we have no harmony. I was like, wow. The application of that is just amazing. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. When one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. When one of us needs support, we support, because we are one body. So I, I talked a little bit earlier about moving the platform, didn't I? That was an amazing time, honestly. It was fantastic. We, we would meet probably about 9 o'clock. We'd start about half past 9 every weekday morning coming in. And the one morning I was parking my car, and I saw all these cars along the road down here all parked up, and I knew they were all people from church. And I saw somebody walking up with their Bible under their arm like that. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Revival's breaking out because the unity that was in this place. And do you know what? The skilled workers who were here, who gave their time freely. There were those then who fetched and carried. They helped us dismantle the old stuff and take it out. They helped us bring the new stuff in. We had people come every morning to pray with us before we began work. <coughs> Excuse me. We had tea and coffee makers, a great British essential. We had sandwich makers. We had givers. We had encouragers. And do you know what? Each one of those people moved that platform. There's no difference. No difference at all. 
Those who made the tea and coffee, they moved that platform. Another example, Operation Gateway Relief. Wow. That was, uh, I'm being honest with you, we had so much fun. We really did. In, in such a strange way, we worked really hard. I worked more hours than I usually do during those times, but it wasn't a burden. Not at all, no sir. We had cooks. We had vegetable peelers. People, I don't know how many tons of potatoes and carrots and all kinds of things that need peeling, those guys peeled. And they did it with a smile on their face. And they did it, they were having fun while they were doing it. We had cleaners. We had packers. We had label stickers. Putting them on the boxes and on the bags. We had note writers because we sent out, sometimes we sent handwritten notes out attached to the meals. We had planners, we had administrators, and we had delivery drivers. Each person produced over 12,000 meals. Each person. The note writer, without them, it couldn't have been done. They got behind God's vision to produce the results. And the fellowship that we all enjoyed was uplifting, encouraging, and empowering. We cheered one another on, not by going, go, go, guys, go. We didn't do that. We were just there for one another. We had the fellowship of believers together. We had one heart. We were together. And I honestly believe that mental well-being, when we work together, our mental well-being is put into a safe place. Now, servanthood, still on the mission of service, servanthood may require us to decrease. Everybody loves to hear that. But think, John the Baptist was the forerunner. If you think, I mean, <laughs> he was in the wilderness and people came to find him and he would baptize them into the baptism of repentance. He was the forerunner. He said, I am not the Messiah, but there is one coming who is greater than me and I am not fit to even tie his shoelaces. You see, John the Baptist, he took ownership, but he didn't possess. Leave a legacy. And what we do, if we've got to move on, if our time is done, let's leave a legacy. Let's leave a good platform for people to work from. So John's disciples had come to him and, and said, you know what, there's... Jesus is out there and everybody's going to him and nobody's coming to you anymore. And, I mean, they did that with innocence of heart, I'm sure. But, I mean, surely that would provoke a jealousy, even uh, a resentment uh, to, to what's going on. But look at John's response. He said, you yourselves know, I plainly told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. The heart of a servant will seek to help anywhere there's need, not on an agenda. Oh, that's not my ministry. No, no, there's a need. We'll step in. Well, let's get this thing moving. God will reward, as we read in Colossians 3.24. Elisha, Elijah went and 
called Elisha, and Elisha got up, said goodbye to his folks, and followed Elijah. He got behind him. He, got, it, he helped his ministry. He served God through serving Elijah. This is my last slide you'll be glad to hear. Having an attitude of gratitude. So when we're serving, <laughs> why are we serving? Are we serving for a reward? No, we're serving because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our strength. The attitude of gratitude. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Let's be of that attitude. Fantastic. Come on, let's appreciate Alan for that important word. Important word. You know, it was Jesus said of himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And one of the cultures that we want to not just develop in our fellowship, but we believe it's a culture of the kingdom, to be that of a servant. What did, what did Jesus say? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, if you want to be great in God's eyes, learn to be the servant of all. Learn to be the servant. Perhaps this morning again as we're getting into the second half of the year, we call, we call September second half, early part of the second half is always to realign our focus, our thoughts. And I tell you, the greatest ministry is the ministry of a servant. Lord, where can I serve? Lord, who can I serve? Lord, who can I touch? As insignificant as it may seem, but if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. No greater joy than seeing a smile on someone else's face. <laughs> I always say that. It's nice when we have a smile on our face, but the, our smile gets bigger when we put a smile on someone else's face. But we can do this together. There's so much coming ahead of us as a fellowship, as the kingdom of God, but it takes all of us putting our hands together. Not just the tasks that involve standing here and preaching, but even the hard work, the coming together, the serving, the ones that may not always get the appreciation, the ones that may always not have the limelight. But Lord, as long as you know my heart, I'm grateful for what you've done for me. In return, I want to serve you. Let's stand together as we bring our service to an end this morning. A great reminder today, this Sunday morning, even as we remember the Queen and what a great servant she was, selfless. You know, one of the verses that always strikes me, it is better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. I always say, Lord, help me to be a giver more than a taker. 
let me be a giver more than a taker because the givers are more blessed than the takers <laughs> lord make me a giver where can i give of my time of my resources of my words of kindness whatever let's bow our heads for a moment thank you father thank you for that reminder this morning that lord you modeled servanthood in our workplaces in our neighborhoods in our friend circle help us to be servants servant-hearted looking out for the others reaching out for the lonely being sensitive to those who are on the fringe put in us your very nature you washed your disciples feet you said i did not come to be served but to serve lord as part of our discipleship as part of our growth help us to grow in this area of giving out giving out and serving thank you father your grace is sufficient and thank you for all the seeds that we plant of servant of serving you take those seeds you multiply them you multiply and you you touch many hearts father so we thank you again for all that you've done for us even as we continue our journey we look to you to go before us bless each one in this place father whatever be the need we pray this morning healing physical mental emotional whatever situation may your grace be sufficient i pray for the week ahead and all that lies ahead of us go before us and lord let your light shine through us in a world that's hurting and paining that we would make a difference even as we be your servant thank you again in jesus name and all of god's people say amen